Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Is anybody excited about what the Lord is doing today? I tell you, I, I hardly want to go to sleep. I don't want to miss anything. He has been so good to us. And uh, uh, Pastor Philip and I were talking on the way from the airport to the hotel about how that in the midst of all this chaos and disorder that is happening in the world today, our ministry has broken records every year since 2020. And it's still breaking records. And uh, I, I really believe the best is yet to come. Amen. Don't ever give up on God. Don't ever give up on God. Look at your neighbor and tell him, don't ever give up on God. Amen. Because the best is yet to come. I want you to open your Bibles, first of all, tonight to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. I'm just going to read one verse. I won't go into the story uh, behind it. I'm sure you're all familiar with it. But in verse 23... Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. I know you've heard that scripture many times before. Some of you preachers in here probably preached on it many times. I know I have. But recently, uh, the Lord began to emphasize to me how important it is to go back to the basics particularly in the time in which we live. In fact, we started a, uh, a new program that we call Back to the Basics. It's seen on uh, Facebook and from our uh, uh, website and so forth. And uh, the Lord said to me, there are so many people, new people, that are coming into the kingdom of God today that have never heard the basics for the first time. Yeah. Then there are a lot of people in the body of Christ who's heard them but they've let go of them. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews uh, that we must not allow revelations to slip. Amen. I'm paraphrasing it, but that's basically what it says. Don't ever allow the basic principles that you learn slip. Or in other words, don't ever stop operating in them. Uh, when I was a young boy, I, was, uh, I always loved sports. I was an athlete growing up. My, my best sport was baseball. I played baseball all the way up to a farm league team that was sponsored by the Kansas City Royals. And I had ambitions of playing professional football, um, baseball rather. <laughs> yeah, I would have liked to play professional football too, but <laughs> I just too little. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to play football and the coach said, Savelle, you are too little. I said, yeah, but I'm fast, coach. He said, well, you ain't fast enough to run out and run these big boys and I don't want you to get hurt, so stick to baseball. And my dad said, yeah, stick to baseball. That's what you do best. But anyway, uh, growing up, uh, we got our first television set when I was about uh, maybe uh, fourth or fifth grade. 
there was one family on our road that had a television set. And on Friday nights, they would set it in the window of their house and allow the rest of the neighborhood to come and bring lawn chairs and, and quilts and so forth and sit out in the front yard and watch the TV. And then finally, we got our television set. How many of you remember old Philco black and white television sets? And Dad finally got us a television set. And I remember the first uh, baseball team that I ever saw on television uh, was the New York Yankees. So I just immediately became a Yankee fan because uh, I knew of Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris and all those greats back in those days. And uh, Mickey Mantle was my favorite player. So I just became a Yankee fan. And then the first football team I ever saw play was the Green Bay Packers. And I became a Packer fan. And uh, back in those days, the coach was, was uh, Coach Lombardo. And uh, he would say every year. Now, back then, the Green Bay Packers were a dynasty. They were winning nearly every year. And he would say to them uh, at, the, at the beginning of each season, even though they may have won the Super Bowl the year before, he'd start the season out holding up a football and saying, gentlemen, this is a football. Now, these guys have been playing football all their lives, but he never would allow them to forget the basics. And he'd draw on the board, you know, X's and O's, tackle, running, blocking, just the basic things. And uh, that's the reason they continued to have a winning team. He never allowed them to forget the basics. So many Christians today uh, are trying to do things without referring to those basic principles that they were taught back in the day. Now, I first heard these things back in 1969 uh, from Kenneth Copeland. He was the first man I ever heard preach uh, the word of faith. And uh, it, it, it just changed my life immediately. Uh, yeah, I've, heard, I've told you the story before. I won't go into that. But, but uh, I only went the last night of his meeting there in Shreveport, Louisiana, where my wife and I grew up. And he came to the church that she grew up in. And I, I was not serving the Lord back then. I had an automotive business and I was just, I was focusing on me and my business. Carolyn lived for God. I lived for Jerry. And uh, she begged me to, to go hear this Kenneth Copeland. And I wouldn't go until the last night. He was there for a whole week, three services a day. And I only went the last night. But that last night, I heard the gospel like I'd never heard it before. I didn't go forward at the end of the service, but when I got home that night, I couldn't sleep. I got up out of my bed, went into the living room, and uh, lifted my hands. And I knew I was called to preach, but it, that's not what I wanted to do. I'd known that since I was just a young boy. And, uh, but I finally lifted my hands and said, Lord, I surrender. Uh, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I shut my business down preach the gospel, go to the seminary, whatever you want me to do. And uh, I received my salvation, was gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit. And uh, from that moment, I got into the Word of God. I couldn't get enough. I couldn't get enough. And the Lord said to me, if you will give me the same kind of dedication and devotion to my Word that you gave to that business, then in three months, I will change your life. And so... I eventually was able to shut my business down and uh, I spent the next three months, no less than eight hours a day, 
studying the Word of God. Now, I didn't know where to begin. I, in fact, I, I, I thought you just the Bible was just like any other book. You start on page one. And I come out of the bedroom that first morning. I said, Carolyn, I don't understand this. How am I supposed to understand this? She said, where are you reading? I said, page one. I said, this is the, this is the, this is the begottenest people I've ever heard of in my life. Is that all they do is begot? You know? She said, don't start in Genesis. Go over into the New Testament. Get familiar with the ministry of Jesus first. Then you can go back and study the Old Testament. So I went to Matthew, and I'll be if they didn't start begatting all over again. <laughs> and so uh, I had a hard time with it. And, uh, and then I, I told her, I said, Carolyn, they're doing it again. She said, well, go over into the, the epistles. I said, what's epistles? She said, uh, the writings of the apostle Paul and, and John and so forth. She said, start reading Paul's epistles. Well, I got over there and Paul makes this statement. I do what I don't want to do and what I do, I don't want to do it. I do it. I just threw the Bible up against the wall and said, well, who's doing it then? It don't make sense. I don't do what I want to do and I don't, I do what I don't want to do. And I'm supposed to understand this? And I come out of that bedroom about, about every other morning saying, Caroline, I don't understand this. And she'd lay her hands, and she'd been filled with the Holy Ghost since she's eight years old. She'd lay her hands on my forehead and said, Lord, teach him something. Teach him something. And so I'd go back in that bedroom, and, and finally I got this wonderful revelation. Why don't I listen to the messages? Back then there were reel-to-reel tapes that Brother Copeland preached there that week, and maybe that'll help me understand the Bible. And so I started on that first message that he preached that it was simply called the Word of Faith. And uh, he started in Mark the 11th chapter and uh, 23rd and 24th verses. <clears throat> and if I didn't understand it, I had this reel-to-reel tape player. You could stop him, rewind, and start it over again. And thank God for that rewind button. I almost wore it out. I didn't understand anything, and I kept playing it and playing it and playing it until I understood it. And I went through all those messages. Now, three services a day for one week. That's 21 messages. And I listened to them over and over again. And by the end of that three months, uh, man, I came out of that bedroom with a revelation. Amen. And I've been living on those revelations now. This is my 53rd year in the ministry. And they are still working for me just like they started working for me back there in 1969. I've, I've never... I've never desired another message because this one still works. Amen. I've met a lot of preachers in 53 years of ministry and many of them have come and gone. Many of them are not even in the ministry anymore. And it always amazed me the number of them that were always looking for their own revelation. You know, I remember one of the first times I preached was in a church in Oklahoma City. And... Uh, the pastor actually asked me to come and do a youth meeting. And so I, I went there and I met with his youth department and they had about, I don't know, maybe 15 teenagers in this youth department. And, and I taught them how to, how to minister to people one-on-one in the streets, one-on-one in the streets. And so we hit the streets every day in Oklahoma City. And by the end of that week, we had, we had that youth department 
had grown by 80 people and just winning them off the streets. Well, then the pastor decided, maybe this young man uh, has something to say to the whole church. So he asked me to stay over and preach on a Wednesday night when there were not many people there and I couldn't do much damage, okay? And so, <laughs> not Sunday morning, you know. He said, stay over and preach on Wednesday night. And so I preached on Wednesday night and we had a, a marvelous meeting. People were getting excited about, you know, the word of faith. And uh, I, I remember when I got ready to leave, uh, there was a lady that came up to me and she said, Brother Savelle, I, I appreciate your enthusiasm and your zeal and your dedication to God, but uh, we don't want you in our church again. I said, why not? She said, well, that's not what we believe. Well, come to find out, this woman was a very wealthy woman, and even though they had a pastor, he wasn't in control of the church. She controlled the church with her wealth. And... Uh, Pastor didn't want me to upset her because yeah. that meant a lot of the money would leave if she left, okay? So she, she handed me a check. Now, I've been there a week and a half. Had marvelous meetings in the streets with the youth, miracles, getting kids delivered from drugs, you know, the hippie movements on, all that kind of thing. And uh, had a great service that Wednesday night. And for all of my labor, she handed me a check for $200 and said, if you're ever in Oklahoma City again, don't stop here. Wow. So yeah. I thought, well, welcome to the ministry. <laughs> you know? And so I got home, and when I got home, uh, my wife said, uh, Brother Copeland called and wants you to call him. Now, I'd only, I'd only been around him a couple of times when he came to Shreveport, uh, and uh, he told me, the, the second time I was around him, he prophesied over me and said that one day he and I would be a team and we'd preach the gospel together all over the world for the rest of our lives. And he said, it'll be your responsibility to believe God for the perfect timing for the team to begin. And so I got home from Oklahoma City. And she said, Brother Copeland called and he wants you to call him. So uh, I called him and he said, meet me in Jacksonville Beach, Florida. I said, when? He said, tomorrow. So we got in the car and drove to Jacksonville Beach, Florida and uh, was involved in the meetings there with him, not, not preaching but just serving him. And uh, uh, he asked me in that meeting, uh, have you been praying about when you're going to move to Fort Worth? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, when is the team going to begin? I said, as soon as I get back home, I'll move to Fort Worth and, and be available to whatever you want me to do. And then I had the opportunity to tell him this. I said, uh, I had something unusual happen to me in Oklahoma City. I, I just wondered if it ever happened to you before and how you handled it. <laughs> you know, because this is all new to me. I mean, I come out of a paint body shop. What do I know about ministry, you know? And uh, so I said, uh, told him about the experience with that lady. And I said, and also before I left, the pastor said to me, uh, Brother Savelle, why don't you get your own message? You're just a Kenneth Copeland clone. Now, I didn't know what a clone was. When I got home, I had to look in the dictionary to find out what a clone was. You know? <laughs> and he said, you, you sound like Kenneth Copeland. 
And I, I, I told Brother Copeland that. He said, what church were you in? I said, well, I, I told him, and I told him the pastor's name. He said, oh, don't worry about that. He said, I preached there one time when I first went into ministry, and he told me all I was was a Kenneth Hagin clone. <laughs> I said, he said, so you're in good company, boy. Just keep preaching it, praise God. <laughs> Amen. So this is all I know. I, I've never looked for another message. You know, when you find something that works, you just keep doing it. Amen. Amen. You just keep doing it. It's like, uh, and the first thing I learned was the power of words. Power of words. I had no idea. And, and when I heard Brother Copeland preach about the power of words and then later Kenneth Hagin talk about it, and I, I learned at that time that Brother Copeland was preaching most of Kenneth Hagin's messages, you know. In fact, I, when I heard Kenneth Hagin the first time, I called Brother Copeland. I hadn't gone to work for him yet. I called Brother Copeland and I said, there's a guy in Tulsa preaching all your sermons. He said, who's that? I said, Kenneth Hagin. He said, no, it's the other way around. <laughs> you know. And uh, he said, I'm preaching all of his sermons. And so anyway, uh, when, I, when I began to learn about the power of words, I realized uh, most people don't need a devil. They're their own worst enemy. Thank you for your enthusiasm over that revelation. Amen. The Bible says you're snared by the words of your mouth. The Bible talks about by your words you're justified, by your words you're condemned. You know, and uh, in that 11th chapter of Mark, talking about if you believe in your heart that those things which you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. That's the power of words. Okay. And uh, so that was one of the first things Carol and I learned is that we needed to learn to put a guard over our vocabulary and, and change the way we talk. And, and we began to see almost immediately results in our lives as a result of, first of all, changing how we talked. Now, not too long ago, I mentioned that just like I mentioned it in this service, and a lady said to me after the service, you mean to tell me we need to go back and watch what we say? We're going to have to do that again? I said, lady, why'd you ever stop? Why'd you ever stop? You know, this is not like taking algebra in high school and when you pass the course, you throw the book away and hope to God you never see it again. <laughs> Amen? No, this is, this is something that you live by for the rest of your life. Now, what I've noticed is over the last couple of years in particular, a lot of people who learn these basic principles and did have a guard over their vocabulary are not talking the same way they used to talk. Now they're talking the problem. They're talking the pandemic. They're talking this, talking that. You know, in a crisis is when you need to pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth more than ever before. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Amen. So that's just one of the basic principles that Carolyn and I learned way back there in 1969 that we are still applying to this day. I don't talk doubt and unbelief. I don't talk sickness and disease. I don't talk poverty, lack, and want. That's not in my vocabulary. Amen. That changed a long, long time ago. Amen. And, and because of it, I don't live the way I lived back there in 1969 or pre-69. My life is totally changed, totally different. 
I'm not that same man. I don't live that same life. And I give all the glory to God, hallelujah. And the power of his word. Can you say amen? amen? So notice here, Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. The message translation says, anything can happen. Anything can happen for those who believe. And the New International Version says, everything is possible for one who believes. And what is the prerequisite to everything being possible? If you can believe. Now, once again, I realize this is very elementary. You've heard it before, but some people need to hear it again. And some of those people are in here tonight. I'm not looking at anybody. (laughs) You know who you are, amen. Everything is possible for for one who believes. So once again, the prerequisite or what is required for everything to become possible is if you can believe. Look at your neighbor and say, if you can believe, anything is possible. Now, I recently heard a preacher say this. Bless his heart. <laughs> he said this, reading this verse. If, if you can believe all things are possible to him that believeth, he said this, this isn't an endorsement for the word of faith teaching. We can't presume that God will do anything we won't. I wrote in my notes, well, somebody needs to tell Jesus. Amen. I wanted to say that when I heard the guy preach it. Well, somebody needs to tell Jesus that not everything is possible because he said it is. If you believe. Amen. That little word if is a powerful word. If you believe. Can you say amen? So, Once again, somebody needs to tell Jesus because he presumes that God can do anything we are capable of believing he can do. Can you say amen? Amen. In fact, I flew here today in something that was impossible, but I dared to believe that it was possible. Amen. Amen. For 20 years, I believed it was possible. And when you know, just like God, he brought it to pass during a pandemic. Amen. When everybody else is screaming, worst of times, worst of times, right. I'm having my best of times, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And I can't hardly sit down in that airplane. Dear Always. Lord, it is it's such a blessing from God. Amen. And, and if I was to ask people, do you think I'll ever have that airplane, an international jet that I can fly anywhere in the world? Do you believe that... God could make that happen for me. Many people would say, well, I don't know, Brother Jerry. I I don't know if that's possible. Well, I believed it was possible. And I held fast to it for 20 years. And zowie, look what the Lord has done. Amen. Amen. If you go out to the airport, you'll see a, a, a Falcon 50 sitting out there with a big S on the tail representing Savelle Ministries, praise God. And a testimony to the faithfulness of God and the fact that Mark chapter 9 is true. If you can believe, anything is possible to him that believeth. Give the Lord a shout if you believe, praise God. 
Amen. And I might add, it's paid for. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That is the 10th debt-free airplane that God has put in this ministry in 53 years. Hallelujah. And the very first one, people said, was impossible. But God. The second one, people said, was impossible. But God. All the way up to this one. But God. Hallelujah. Well, why would I stop believing now when God's proven to me over 52 years that anything is possible to him that believeth? Are there any believers in the house tonight? Shout, I'm a believer. Hallelujah. What are you believing for tonight? What looks impossible to others? But you dare to believe that God can make it happen for you. Amen. And that's just one of the many impossibilities that God has made happen for me in all these many years. And I believe that he's not done yet. The best is yet to come. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not done yet. The best is yet to come. Now listen to this. These are notes I just wrote down this afternoon. It's never God's ability that is in question. It's our ability to believe. That's the real issue. You know, how many times have you heard Christians say, our God is able. But then if you ask some of them, like I did back in those early days, because when I started going to church there where Carolyn grew up, it was a Pentecostal full gospel church. I'd never been to a church like that. And I would hear people say continually, and I'd never heard this phrase before. Our God is able. Our God is able. In fact, on Sunday nights, pastor would would have testimony services before he would preach. And he'd have maybe uh, anywhere from five to 10 people get up and testify. And they were all just alike. And it usually started out something like this. Well, Satan visited our house this week, made all our family sick, but we all know our God is able. <laughs> and everybody in church said, yes, amen, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm just sitting there with my arms folded and listening to this. And then the next one would get up and it was always like they wanted to outdo that person. Well, you think the devil visited your house? He lives at our house. (laughs) But we all know our God is able. And finally I turned to Carol and I said, does anybody ever tell us what God was able to do? So far, all they've told us is what Satan's done. I said, the next time somebody says that, I'm going to go up to him after the service and I'm just going to simply say, did he? She said, don't embarrass me. I said, I'm not going to embarrass you. You know, inquiring minds want to know. Did God ever do what you said he's able to do? You know, they all want me to have faith, believe God, trust God, and then none of them talk about what God did, but we know he's able. Well, being able to do something and doing it is two different things. Amen? So, next time somebody said that, I went straight to them. I said, I want to ask you one question. You said tonight that God is able. Did he? And you know what kind of response I got? Well, you never know what God will do. I said, then quit saying it. I embarrassed my wife. (laughs) You know, I, I, I would hear this from some of the you know, leaders in the church, 
uh, brother, well, I wouldn't brother Jerry then. Jerry, don't rock the boat. In other words, don't, don't, don't spoil us of our religious traditions. I can't help it, folks. I'm a boat rocker. <laughs> I mean, I'm a boat rocker. And, and, and I, I, would, I wasn't doing it, you know, hatefully, but, but I would challenge them because I wanted to know. You know, I'd, I'd made up my mind. I'm going to live by faith. Does anybody in this church know anything about it? And I'll never forget this one person. I, I may have shared this with you before, but it's my sermon. I want to hear it again anyway. <laughs> and so I, asked, I, I, this, I was told this one person in the church was like the pillar of the church. She and her husband were co-founders of the church. And uh, I asked somebody, does anybody know anything about living by faith. Oh, well, sister so-and-so, her husband, he's passed away now, but, but they, they have been the pillars of this church. And if there's anybody who knows anything about faith, she does. Ask her. So I said, okay. So after the service, I introduced myself to her. I said, you know, my wife, Carolyn, she grew up in this church and uh, I, I'm, I'm her husband, Jerry. And uh, uh, I've, I've surrendered my life to the Lord and uh, I believe I'm called to preach and, and I'm endeavoring to learn how to live by faith. As the Bible says, a just shall live by faith. And they tell me, you know something about faith. And you know what kind of response I got? She said, you're not Oral Roberts. I said, well, ma'am, I know that. I, didn't, I know I'm not Oral Roberts. She said, but you want faith like Oral Roberts. I said, well, Ma'am, I never even thought of that, but since you mentioned it, why not? (laughs) Why not? She said, I knew it. You want faith like Oral Roberts. I said, no, ma'am, you're the one who brought that up. I never even thought of that. But since you brought it up, why can't I have faith like Oral Roberts? And she said this, because he's special. I thought, well, what are the rest of us? She said, you don't understand much, do you? I said, well, apparently not. Just reading them talking to you. They, they told me you know something about faith. She said, well, if you must know, the reason Oral Roberts has this strong faith is because of his name. I said, what? She said, his name. I said, his name? She said, what's his name? I said, Oral Roberts. She said, see? I said, no, ma'am, I don't see. She said, what does oral mean? I said, I don't know. What does it mean? She said, say it. I said, oral. She said, say it three times. Oral, oral, oral. Do you get it? I said, no, ma'am, I don't get it. What is so special about oral? She said, you don't know anything, do you? I said, lady, that's the reason I'm talking to you. They told me you know something. But I, I, got, I didn't say this, but I got my doubts now. She said, don't you know what oral means? Don't you know in the Bible, uh, names have special meanings? God changed Abram's name to Abraham, made him the father of many nations. That's what Abraham means. I said, and she listed several others, you know. I said, well, I, I haven't got that far along in my study, but I understand that. She said, well, oral is a special name. And that's the reason God has given him this special faith. 
I said, well, what is so special about the name oral? She said, it means the spoken word, oral, 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 <laughs> the spoken word. She said, and your name's Jerry? And then she ran off and left me. <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. So I'm assuming what she meant was just because my name is Jerry and not Oral, I can't have strong faith. So after the service, we got in the car to drive home. My wife said, did you learn anything? I said, no, not really, other than my name's not Oral. (laughs) She said, what? And then I told her that lady's revelation. So just in case that she's right, when I got home, I looked in the dictionary that I had for the meaning of certain names. And I looked up Jerry. And you know what it said? A slang name for a German that was used in World War II by GIs. They called Germans Jerry's. I said, God, you gave oral the spoken word. You gave me the slang name of a German. (laughs) What am I supposed to do with that? He said, your name has nothing to do with it. And then he told me this. Go read Romans 12. He said, I have dealt to every man the measure of faith. God gave Oral the same measure he gave you. The only difference in you and Oral is Oral took his measure and grew it. You can take your measure and grow it. Amen. Amen. First time Oral Roberts heard me preach that sermon at ORU, he fell on the floor laughing. And then I, and when he got back up, Richard helped, his son Richard helped him get back in the chair. And I said, but Brother Roberts, years later, I met a rabbi in Israel and he asked me, do you know what your name means in Hebrew? I said, no, but I know what it means in Webster's Dictionary. (laughs) He said, well, it is a derivative of Jeremiah and it means called by God. I said, look out, Oral. (laughs) But your name won't have anything to do with it. It's what you do with the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. Amen. And when that uh, sunk deep down into my heart, then I couldn't get enough of God's word. I still can't. I'm I'm passionate about a lot of things. I see some of our Chariots of Light members in here, uh, our motorcycle ministry. I started that ministry 25 years ago. And up to this present time, we've, we've had over 450,000 people come to Christ through Chariots of Light. Amen. I just, I just finished a ride all the way from uh, Cherokee, North Carolina to, to Tahlequah, Oklahoma with our Chariots of Lights. And, and, uh, and, and seeing there's some of them in here, uh, I'm passionate about riding motorcycles. I love riding motorcycles. I've been riding them since I was 14 years old. I'm 75 years old now. I still ride them. And I'm going to ride them until I can't ride two wheels and I'll get three wheels. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. I'm passionate about it. I love riding motorcycles. Uh, I was telling someone today before we flew out here uh, that a few years ago, uh, our group in Fort Worth was going to ride to Muskogee, Oklahoma. Got up that morning, it's 19 degrees. It's cold. And uh, we were going to ride to Muskogee. We had everybody to 
to meet us at Starbucks. And then we're going to go from there out on Interstate 35. And there was one young man, he had believed God for a motorcycle, been believing God for a motorcycle for quite some time. God blessed him with a motorcycle. He got it. It was going to be his first tour. He went and bought all his gear and everything, you know. And he got up that morning, walked outside, and he'd come back in. And he told his wife, said, Brother Jerry's not going to ride in this. That's too cold. She said, oh, yeah, Brother Jerry will ride in this. And you're going to ride too. <laughs> he said, why I have to ride? It's too cold. She said, you believe for that bike and you bought that gear, you're going to ride. So just go get your clothes on and go meet Brother Jerry. So he rode up there and he said, Brother Jerry, you're not riding to Oklahoma in this, are you? I said, oh, yeah. Well, the other guys were there. They were trying to talk me out of it. It's too cold, Brother Jerry. It's too cold. I said, well, just stay here, you bunch of wimps. I'll go by myself, and when I get to the church, I'm going to talk about you. Well, I got on my bike, started out from Starbucks, and I turned around, and they're all behind me. I said, I thought you were going home. No, you're not going to talk about us in Muskogee. <clears throat> if you going, we going. So, man, it was so cool. We stopped at every McDonald's on the way and got a hot chocolate, you know, just to warm up. And when we got to Muskogee and preached that night, the next morning when we got ready to go back to Fort Worth, it's nine degrees. Nine degrees. Now, you got to be passionate to ride a motorcycle in nine degrees. And this young man that, that I was telling you about, uh, we stopped a couple of times on the way back. He walked up to me and said, Brother Jerry, I may have complained all the way, but I ain't no quitter. You taught me not to be a quitter. I said, well, I'm proud of you, Vic. You didn't quit. He said, but I ain't never going to do it again. <laughs> well, one time we were doing a, a tour across North Carolina and South Carolina and Virginia, and we got up up in the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains and there was a lookout place way up there at the top where you can just see forever. And we were going, we had planned to stop up there and just get off the bikes and, you know, rest a little bit and look at the scenery. And we got to the top. It was sleeting. And there was a local news station uh, filming for the weather that night. And they're filming with their cameras on top of these trucks. They're filming. And then when they saw all of us right about 50 of us right up, they turned the cameras on us. <laughs> and that night, uh, well, they told us, they said, uh, if you're in a hotel tonight, watch. You'll be on TV tonight. And so we were all in the lobby of this hotel, and there we were watching that channel, and it was showing that, that news truck up on top of that mountain filming all the snow that was coming in, and then it showed them on us and the weatherman said and look at these idiots <laughs> so you got to be passionate to ride in weather like that now many of you know but my background is is uh, my business was restoring classic automobiles and dad and I built race cars and and all that and and I'm passionate about that even though it's I don't do that anymore but I still collect them I have, a, I have a museum with, with classic automobiles and classic motorcycles. And I love that. That's the reason my hands are all beat up. I was working on a 67 Corvette just in the last couple of days. And I, I, I love that. That's my, that's my downtime refreshment. 
Some people, you know, play golf. I can't play golf. I'll sin. <laughs> I played golf twice and threw the club in the trees. <laughs> so if God knows I don't need to play golf. So if I have some time, downtime, I like working on my cars and my motorcycles, okay? So I'm passionate about that. But my point is, and you can ask my wife or anybody who knows me well, I am not more passionate about anything than I am studying the Word of God. I can't get enough of it. If I got a choice between riding a motorcycle or fooling with a classic car and studying the Word, I'll always pick studying the Word. There's always time for the motorcycle later. Amen. I can't get enough of it. Amen. And, I, I, and, I, and I'm not studying to find some new something I never heard before nobody else has ever heard before. I'm, I'm continually building on those basics. Building on those basics. You know, Carolyn's hus- uh, father was a home builder. He had a business building new homes. And uh, I went out with him one time to, to, to work with him, just help him. I don't know anything about building houses, but he wanted me to come out and just be with him for a couple of days. And, and I got to watch from start, you know, uh, getting, laying the forms and, and uh, uh, driving the stakes for the forms and, and getting ready to pour the foundation. And then when they got the foundation poured, then the crew came in. Uh, broke away all those forms and and then began to to uh, raise the the walls you know so I'm watching all this and at the same time I'm thinking about the word now I noticed that when it was time to raise the walls my father-in-law didn't tell the crew okay guys get get the jackhammers and bust up all this concrete because we've got to put the walls up no you don't destroy the foundation to move on you build on the foundation. The house is only as good as the foundation. And that's true where your foundation in the word is concerned. Amen. If you don't have a solid foundation in the word, it's not likely you're going to make it in a crisis. Jesus proved that in, in a teaching he did about two different men. And apparently uh, in the teaching, the storm hit both houses. Same storm hit both houses One man was a doer of the word. The other man was a hearer only. And Jesus said the man who was a doer of the word built his foundation on a rock, a solid foundation. The man who only heard the word but didn't do it, didn't even have a foundation, built his house on the sand. And he said when the storm came and beat up against the house vehemently, the man's house that was built on the rock withstood the storm the man's house who was built on the sand was destroyed. And it's the same way today. What's happening in our world today can destroy you. A lot of people are being destroyed. But those who have a solid foundation on the word, the storm will come, the storm will go, and they'll still be standing. Hallelujah. Can you say amen to that? Praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good preaching. You ought to be shouting better. Amen. All right, moving along. So, once again, I believe that God is not done with us and the best is yet to come. But it's our place to continue to believe that all things are possible. 
even in a pandemic, even in a crisis, even in bad economy. And I was telling Joe, flying over here, uh, we have some investment accounts in our ministry, and uh, uh, and they have they have done well for us over the years. But just recently, man, they've taken a big hit, you know. And I don't I don't like losing money. Anybody else like losing money? <laughs> Especially when I believe God for it and put in a lot of hard work for it. I don't, I don't enjoy getting a report where we're losing money. But I do know this. God is the God of restoration. Yes. Amen. Yes. And Satan is a thief. The Bible says when you catch a thief, make him recompense sevenfold. Yes. I, I was preaching this message one time about uh, sevenfold restoration. Jesse DePlantis was in the service. He got up and he said, with what Jerry just preached, I just got too expensive for the devil to mess with. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm believing for sevenfold restoration. And that's what I'm believing for. And, I, 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 and next time I'm here, I'll give you the report on how God did it. Hallelujah. Amen. So if I didn't have that foundation in the word, then that could shake you. That would be very disturbing. Amen. Now, I just got the report this morning, and when I looked at it, uh, you know, I don't like the looks of it, but I didn't, I didn't get into panic stage. I didn't say, you know, dear God, we're going to lose it all. No. In fact, on the other hand, everything else is increasing. You know, every time you have a breakthrough, Satan comes right in behind and tries to stir something up. Amen, to get your attention off God. Get your attention off what God's doing. Well, I learned that a long time ago and I'm not going to fall for that. Amen. Amen. So I know that a major turnaround is about to take place. Why? Because these principles have worked for me for 53 years and they're going to continue to work. So I'm not changing anything I'm doing. Just keep believing. Hallelujah. Amen. Can anybody else say amen to that? If you're struggling, now let me go back and make this point again. It's never God's ability that's in question. It's our ability to believe is the real issue. If you're struggling to believe, then the more time in the word and the more time in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, your faith will grow and become stronger. Romans 10, 17, as you well know. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now go with me to Matthew chapter nine for a moment. Matthew chapter nine. And even though I haven't mentioned this up to now, but the theme of what I'm really talking about tonight is going to the next level. Going to the next level. And this is where it all begins. If you can believe, then all things are possible to him that believeth. Now, Matthew chapter nine, and beginning in verse 27. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him saying, crying and saying, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was entered, into the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus saith unto them, believe ye that I am able to do this. And notice 
how he shifted the responsibility on them. Do you believe I'm able to do this? And notice how they responded. Yea, Lord. Do you believe I'm able to do this? They saith unto him, Yea, Lord. Now notice they didn't hesitate. They didn't hesitate. They didn't say, well, wait, let, let, us, let us stop and think about that before we answer. Yea, Lord. Immediately, yes, Lord. Do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord. And then he answered them by saying this, according to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened and Jesus straightly charged them saying, see that you tell no man. Okay. But notice here, do you believe I'm able to do this? And that's still the question that God's asking each and every one of us about whatever it is that we are in need of or, or our vision or the dream that God's given us. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And if you can't say yes, Lord, immediately without reservation, then don't say anything. Now, let me give you an example, maybe a primitive example, but it's, it's the best one I can come up with. How many of you remember your first bicycle? I remember my first bicycle I got, 1956, a uh, J.C. Higgins, I think dad bought it from Sears and Roebuck. And I remember, uh, you know, got it for Christmas. And all the boys in our neighborhood, most all of them got a bicycle about the same time. So we're riding our bicycles. And, uh, you know, we did it every day. And one day I got up and I had a, I had a flat tire on the back. And I told my dad, I said, Dad, uh, I have a flat tire. Well, he went somewhere and bought me one of those little pumps. Remember those little pumps? You'd, you'd hook it up to the tire and you'd stand there and pump it like this. Okay. So he bought, I still have that pump. <laughs> and, and you'd pump it here and you'd watch the tire to see uh, when it had enough air in it. And then you'd unhook it and put the little cap back on and go on about your business. Now, sometimes I'd pump and pump and pump and I couldn't see anything changing. You know, maybe the, 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 uh, it was so low that uh, uh, the tube uh, was not fitting correctly in there and I'd have to get under there and kind of shift the tube around a little bit. And then I'd pump and I'd pump and I'd pump. And if it's still not going to the level that I needed it to go to in order to ride it, then I just keep pumping. Now, one day I'm preaching in a little church in Oklahoma City. This is years later. And a friend of mine had started a church there and wanted me to come and, and open it for him, do the first service there. And I'm, I'm staying in his home and I'm reading this and the Lord gave me that illustration. He said, tell the people, if I was to say to them, do you believe I'm able to do this? and they can't say, yes, Lord, immediately, then just keep pumping. Pumping your spirit full of the word. Amen. He said, just keep pumping. Just keep pumping until you're able to say, yes, Lord, without any reservation. When you can say, yes, Lord, without any reservation, you're ready for a breakthrough. You're ready for a miracle. Just like these men were. Amen. 
Yes, Lord. So my point is, just keep feeding on the word. And, and picture it is, every time you're in the word, just picture yourself with that hand pump. Pumping your spirit full of faith, full of faith. And it'll get to the place to where you'll look and what you wanted to accomplish will be accomplished because you've reached a place where you can say without any reservation, yes, Lord, I believe you're able to do this. Amen. Amen. So that's, that's what I've practiced all these years. If, if something I'm doing looks impossible and I've never, I've never been here at this level before, you know, I mean, right now we're, <clears throat> we're believing God to build a, a whole new campus for our church and we don't borrow money and we're believing God to pay cash for it. And uh, it's, it's quite, a, quite a figure, more than I've ever had to believe God for, for one project. And it's not the only thing I do. That church is just one of our outreaches. And, and it's, a, it's a large sum of money. And uh, if the Lord was to say a few, well, uh, last year about this time, if he'd have said, Jerry, do you believe I'm able to do this? I might have been a little bit hesitant. Well, Lord, I've never believed for that amount of money for a project that is going to take to fulfill this project, build this project. But I've been pumping my spirit with a word, pumping my spirit with a word. Amen. Pumping my spirit with a word. And now I can say, yes, Lord. I believe you can do that. And it's coming in. Hallelujah. And it's not all there yet, but it ain't over yet either. Praise God. Amen. And not only that, but now, you know, I used to be out in the country with our ministry and now they've annexed us into the city. Now we've got all these ridiculous, you know, I think many city halls, Satan has set up camp there. <laughs> you ever had to deal with city hall and all the devils? <laughs> well, we're dealing with them right now. But at the same time, see, uh, it's prolonging us, but at the same time, it's giving me more time to believe in all the money. So when, it's, when we get all this, you know, uh, logistical taken care of, the money will be there, praise God. Amen. So I'm just, I'm just pumping. <laughs> just keep pumping, hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm pumping. <laughs> Does that help you, praise God? All right. The more word that you get in you, the less trouble you'll have believing that all things are possible. So settle it once and for all. There's no limit to what God can do in your life. No limit. Jeremiah once declared, when speaking about God in Jeremiah 32, 17, nothing is too hard for thee. And God later responded to him with these words. Verse 27, same chapter. Behold, I am the Lord. Is there anything too hard for me? And that's the same question he's asking us today. Is there anything too hard for me? God is the power between behind all of his promises. And all of his promises are yea and amen. amen. God is the power behind the fulfilling of those promises. No promise of God is designed to fail. Every directive that proceeds out of the mouth of God must reach fulfillment. That's his desire. 
God never promises something without the intention of bringing it to pass. Amen. Men promise things that they have no intention of bringing to pass, but God's not that way. God says in Psalm 89, 34, my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has come from my lips. Can you say amen? Amen. (coughs) Excuse me. So once again, I am the Lord. Is there anything too hard for me? No promise of God is designed to fail. Every directive that comes out of the mouth of God, (coughs) God intends for it to reach fulfillment. Our part, once again, if thou canst believe. Amen. And excuse me for a minute, I'm going to take a little drink of this. And for the benefit of those of you who wonder what it is, it's not Texas homebrew. <laughs> you got to explain everything these days. You know. It's just honey and water, and it helps soothe my throat, okay? When you preach uh, 23 days out of every month for 53 years, your throat gets a little tired sometimes. So bear with me, amen? So... Once again, every promise of God is designed to be fulfilled. God never says something without the intention of bringing it to pass. So say this with me. There is no limit to what God wants to do for me. Tell somebody this. There's no limit to what God wants to do for you. Do you believe it? Your response should be, yes, Lord. Amen. And give him a shout of praise. So, over the last few days, uh, in in fact, while I was riding uh, the motorcycle all last week from North Carolina to Oklahoma, I kept hearing in my spirit, it's time to go to a higher level. There's so much more that I want to do for you. It's time to go to a higher level. There is so much more God telling us that he wants to do for us. So look at somebody and tell them this. I refuse to put limits on my God. I'm going to the next level. Let's lift our hands and praise God that he is ready to take us there. Can you say amen? Amen. Now go with me real quickly to Proverbs chapter 4. Now, I'll tell you what, let's go to Psalm 78 first. Psalm 78. And look at verse one. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline thine ears to the words of my mouth. The word incline literally means to lean forward so that you can give special attention to what is being spoken. Amen. You know, uh, my hearing is not as good as it used to be, so I have to lean forward anyway. (laughs) Uh, And I do have hearing aids. That's all they are is aids but I don't like to wear them when I preach. Uh, It sounds like I'm preaching in a barrel, you know, so I don't wear them when I preach. 
But uh, before getting them, my wife got them first, and she said, Jerry, you need to get these. I said, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Did you say something to me? (laughs) I, I tell people, I was born with this dimple. But it got deeper after I got married because Carolyn grabs me right there. Are you listening to me? Are you listening? <laughs> so the word inclined means to lean forward so that special attention is given to what is being spoken. So God is saying, when I talk, lean forward and give special attention to what I'm saying because what I'm saying is important it'll take you to the next level. Amen. Amen. Psalm 78 is often referred to as the wisdom psalm because it was written to God's people with important instructions. Now, I encourage you to read the entire Psalm 78. I, I call it a synopsis of the history of Israel all in one chapter. And it it will tell you, if you read it, it tells you uh, how God's people limited God in their life. And the Apostle Paul says in the New Testament that all these things were written for our benefit. In other words, the Bible will show you what people did that limited him and then it will show you what people did that brought the blessings on. Amen. Amen. So don't do what they did. And then the Bible says, but there are certain people you should follow. Follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen. So some people you don't have any business following. They're not a good example. And then there are other people that are good examples. Okay. So the, this Psalm 78 is referred to by most theologians as the wisdom psalm written to give God's people instructions, important instructions. God knows that you must first, that he must first gain the attention of the listener if you're going to truly reach them. Amen? How many of you ever been talking to somebody and realized they're not listening to a word you say? You know, my wife called me one day and she said, Jerry, before you come home this back, when we had offices uh, in, a, in, a, in a high-rise facility there in Fort Worth, and it was few miles from our home. And she said, before you come home, would you stop and get me these items at the grocery store? I said, sure. So I I heard what she said and I went into the store and I come back and laid it on the kitchen counter. She said, what is this? I said, what you told me to get? She said, you didn't get anything I told you to get. (laughs) I thought that's what she said. She said, no, go back and get what I told you to get. And I, I, I really thought that's what she told me. But I guess when I saw it, you know, it, it, it appealed to me. <laughs> now you husbands, you know you've done it before. <laughs> yeah, amen. I brought back something she, didn't, she hadn't even brought up. Wasn't even thinking about. And my dimple got deeper. <laughs> so, when God starts off with incline your ear, lean forward and listen closely 
to what I'm about to tell you because it'll change your life. It'll take you to another level. And then he goes through this and shows us what the people did that limited him and what they should have been doing that would have brought blessings to them. Amen. So study Psalm 78. Now, for instance, look at verses 7 and 8. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. So this is wisdom. In other words, you go back and study these people. In Exodus, you know, it's basically talking about the people when he's bringing them out of Egypt and so forth. Go back and take a look at them. And this is, once again, just kind of a short version. And he says, their heart was not aright and their spirit was not steadfast with God. So, you know, the, the first Bible I began studying, Brother Copeland sent it to me and it was his personal study Bible and it had wide margins. And it was, it was one of those big thick ones like you'd lay on the coffee table, you know, like a family Bible. And he sent it to me and it had wide margins so I could write when, whenever the Lord said something to me, I could write it in those margins. And I remember writing right there, right opposite verse eight, don't be like these people. Don't be like these people. Okay, now look at verse 11 and 12. Forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. Notice, they forgot his works. That's what happens to a lot of people today. They forget when they're in a crisis, they forget how God brought them out of that previous crisis. And they start majoring on what's not happening instead of what God did do the last time. And if he did it once, he can do it again. You know, with God, dollars are only zeros added to. Amen. When I went to God about this building program, and it's one of the largest projects financially, that I've ever presented to him, he didn't say, whoo, we'll get back to you on that one. (laughs) I remember God getting me $10 when I first started. Then I remember him getting me $100 when I first started. And I remember $1,000. And I remember $100,000. I remember a million. All it is is more zeros. You think that's hard on God? (laughs) No. So notice what he says. Don't forget his works. Don't forget what he's already done. Amen. Every time we, we, we experience like we've been believing God for years, that somebody one day, only one time, was going to sow a million dollars into our ministry. One, one check. Now, we've had people over the years give over the years, and, and, and by the time you add it all up, it's over a million dollars but we'd never had someone give one million all at one time. And when it happened, immediately we both said, we just broke a barrier. Yes. Amen. And it began to happen more. It's like a domino effect. Once you break a barrier, 
it's like dominoes. They just keep coming one after the other, hallelujah. No matter how many zeros you add to it. Can you say amen? amen? Now, don't forget his works like they did. Now look at verse 18. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God and said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Every time they faced an impossible situation, they said, but can God do this? And God would do it. Then they'd face another impossible situation. Yeah, but can he do this? And God would do it. And they'd face another impossible situation. Yeah, but can God do this? And he would do it. He never never satisfied them with the fact that I can do anything that you can believe I can do. Nothing is impossible to me. But they just didn't get a hold of it. And then notice in verse 37. For their heart was not right with them, neither were were they steadfast in his covenant. Now notice, we're learning here all the things that will prevent you from going to the next level. Prevent you from experiencing uh, God operating in your life at a higher level. And then notice verse 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They, now look at this, verse 42. They remembered not his hand. Oh, well. That's the word of the Lord for me to the body of Christ for 2022. The open hand of God. The open hand of God. And here it says, one of the reasons why they didn't experience God's best is because they forgot what his hand could do. They forgot what his hand could do. Don't forget what God's hand can do, particularly in the time in which we're living right now. Can you say amen? Amen. Uh, In verse 37, the Passion Translation says, they wandered away from his promises. They wandered away from his promises. And I'd just like to add, that's probably because they were spending too much time watching CNN. Amen. You can wander away from the promises if you're focusing on something else. And then verse 42 from the Passion Translation says, in in verse 41 where it says, they limited God. The Passion Translation says, they prevented him from blessing them. They prevented him from blessing them. And that's the same thing that is happening with many of God's people today. God is ready to take us to another level. If thou canst believe. Look at your neighbor and say, if thou canst believe. Now let me wrap it up with this. In Psalm 37, verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt thee. He shall exalt thee. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee. That's talking about promotion. That's talking about going to another level. The Passion Translation says, keep moving forward steadily in his ways. Keep moving forward steadily in his ways. And the Message Translation says, 
and don't leave the path. Don't leave the path. Stay on the path of God's word. Amen. Amen. Now, the Passion Translation also adds this. Don't be impatient. Don't be impatient. That's probably one of the the, uh, premier problems in the body of Christ is we get impatient. If, if God doesn't do it before dark, we don't want to play anymore. Yeah. If it doesn't happen quickly, I'm done. You, you can't be that way in the life of faith. Brother Hagin used to say, if you're prepared to stand forever, it won't take very long. But most Christians are not prepared to stand forever. Amen. I remember uh, several years ago, I was preaching uh, in, in South Texas and the last place I preached was back when Brother John Osteen was still living. I was preaching for Brother John. And uh, after I uh, got through with that service, I'd planned to fly home that evening because I'd, I'd been out for about 10 days. I was ready to go home. And uh, there was a pastor friend of mine in the meeting, and he called me as I was walking out, and he said, Brother Jerry, would you consider staying over one more day and preaching our church? I said, Pastor, I am tired. I, let, let me come back and preach in your church. Oh, no, Brother Jerry, we, 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 we need you right now. Would you please just pray about coming to our church tomorrow night? Well, I, I have a hard time saying no, and I, I really love the guy and his family. I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stay over and preach in your church. There's a little, little small community outside of Houston, and so we, we went over there, and they had a little small motel, only about... 10 or 12 rooms, and uh, me and my pilots and the road crew that was with me, we took up nearly every room. And I, I checked in the hotel, and the pilots brought my luggage in the room. And I thought, I'm not even going to unpack. <clears throat> I took out of my briefcase my alarm clock, and I set my alarm for a one-hour nap. I said, if I don't take a nap, I'm not going to be worth 50 cents when I get over there. So I didn't even unpack anything. I just laid on that bed and uh, closed my eyes. We're going to wake up in about an hour when those power naps. And I no more got my eyes closed and I had a visitation of the Lord. That room filled with the glory of God to the point I couldn't even see the furniture anymore. And Jesus spoke to me. And he said, my people know me as Savior. Many of them know me as baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Some know me as healer. Some know me as deliverer, but they don't all know me as the God of the breakthrough. If they did, then they wouldn't be so quick to give up. He said, tell them the God of the breakthrough wants to visit their house. Well, there was no more sleeping then. I mean, I jumped up and I was was so ready, I could hardly wait for that service to begin. Got over there and man, I'm telling you, we had a runaway. And the pastor, after the service, he said, Brother Jerry, did you check out of that room? I said, well, I didn't really go to the front desk, but I do plan to fly home uh, when I leave your church. He said, do you still have your key? I said, yeah, I think the pilots might have it or one of the road crew has it. He said, tell them don't check out because I'm going to go spend the night in that room and I'm expecting God to visit me. (laughs) And he called me a few days later and he said, boy, he did. God showed out in our church on Sunday, praise God. Now, I began preaching the God of the breakthrough wants to visit your house all over the world. 
I wrote a book on the same subject. It's gone all over the world. If God's people knew him as the God of the breakthrough, then they wouldn't be so quick to give up. Amen? Amen. When Jesus said, I am the way, he could have just as easily said, I'm the God of the breakthrough. I make a way where there is no way. I love that song, Waymaker. Amen? So what we're finding here is that if you will hearken unto his word, if you will lean toward him and listen closely to what he's saying, the instructions that he's giving, and stay on that path, then he says, I will exalt thee. I will exalt thee. And then one of the most important things is don't get impatient. Amen? Don't give up because it doesn't look like anything's happening. Amen. I've found in my life that some of my greatest breakthroughs came when it seemed the darkest. It, it, it always seems to be the darkest just before the dawning. Amen. So you may be there right now, but don't give up. Don't get impatient. Just stick with it. And God says, I will exalt thee. In other words, I'm going to take you to another level. How many of you ready to go to another level? Praise God. Amen. Now, here's my last close. I love closing. I do it several times. <laughs> I learned that from the Apostle Paul. He wrote in Ephesians, and finally, my brethren, and then he wrote in a whole other chapter. <laughs> he loved closing. Amen. Uh, and I won't ask you to turn there. You may just want to make a notation of it. In Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 6, <clears throat> Moses has died. And the people are kind of camping out, not moving forward. You know, they didn't like Moses when he's alive. Now they're mourning his death. I've said many times, I think the happiest day of Moses' life was the day he died because he didn't have to deal with that church anymore. (laughs) Okay. How'd How'd you like to try to guide three million people that hate you? Murmuring, complaining all the time. And so now he's dead. And now the people, they're just sitting around doing nothing, mourning his death. I think that's the reason why God hid his body from them so they wouldn't just camp out at the gravesite and never go forward. There's still promised land to obtain. And here's what God says to them in Deuteronomy 1.6. You have, you, have, uh, you have dwelt long enough in this mount. In, in the, the message translation, it says, on your way now, get moving. And in verse 8, it says, look, I've given you this land. Now go in and take it. Amen. Amen. So God is saying, there's another level I want to take you to. I promised you this next level, but it's not going to come to you. You're going to have to go to it. You're going to have to take it. Amen. And our taking it today begins with, if you can believe then all things are possible to him to believe it. Amen. If you can believe that God wants to take you to another level, because how could you not believe that? You haven't seen all that God can do. You haven't experienced all God wants to do. 
I remember Jesse DePlantis saying to me one day, he said uh, he'd been uh, flying this particular airplane for a number of years and, and, and he liked it. He enjoyed this airplane. It's a great airplane. And he said he was flying home one night and the Lord said, Jesse, is this all I can do for you? He said, what, Lord? He said, where airplanes are concerned. He said, well, Lord, I, I really like this airplane. I'm enjoying it. He said, yeah, but is this all I can do for you where airplanes are concerned? He said, well, Lord, I'm not really believing for another one. I like this one. He said, then you're saying to me, that's all I can do for you where aviation is concerned. He said, no, Lord, if you want to bless me with something bigger, better, faster, help yourself. <laughs> See, God, God wants us to be appreciative of what he's done and what we have and what he's blessed us with but he doesn't want us getting in a comfort zone. Amen? Because people get in a comfort zone and then they relax their faith. Well, God's not done yet. There's so much more. I don't care where you live. I don't care the color of your skin. I don't care what your background is. God has big plans for you. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Come on, let's give him a good shout of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet if you will. Hallelujah. Well, I hope I've helped you. I've preached myself happy. Praise God. Amen. Let's go to the next level. What do you say? Amen. Praise God. Just lift your hands right now and just begin to worship the Lord on your own. Don't wait for anybody else. Just bless him and, and thank him. Thank him. I really believe in my heart that <clears throat> some of you that are in here tonight, as Pastor said earlier, this could very well be a life-changing message for you. Just like that message that I heard Kenneth Copeland preach February the 10th, 1969, was a life-changing message for me. I can go back to that date and say, that's when it all started for me. Amen. So let's just lift our hands and thank God. Hallelujah. We bless you, Father. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're so honored and so blessed to call you our God and for you to call us your children. And Lord, we know that you are not finished we know the best is yet to come and we have made up our minds based on what we've seen in your word. We will not limit our God. We will not do what the people did in Psalm 78 that's prevented you from blessing them. We're gonna stay in faith. We're gonna keep believing. We're gonna state with our mouth all things are possible and we'll continue to say it and we'll continue to say it and we'll continue to say it. And you'll continue to prove it. And we give you praise in advance for it. Come on, give the Lord your absolute best shout. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Bow your heads with me for just a few moments. Close your eyes if you would like to. If there is anybody in here tonight and uh, you've, you've, 
more than likely you've already made Jesus Lord of your life. But if there's someone who hasn't, then certainly this invitation is to you. But I feel even more so that there are people that have kind of got sidetracked by the world. And maybe you're not as diligent and faithful as you were in the past. But here's the key. Here's the beautiful thing. There's absolutely nothing you could ever do that would cause God to stop loving you. He's going to love you all the way through. He'll restore. He'll, he'll, he'll cause your relationship to be even better than it was before. So if anybody in here could identify with that and you want prayer tonight, would you just lift your hand and allow me to pray for you? Thank you, sir. Thank you for your honesty. Does anyone else like to join this gentleman? And you're not saying, you know, I don't believe in God anymore. No, you're not saying that at all. You just might have kind of got sidetracked. But tonight you're ready to get back on track, praise God. Anyone else? All right. Thank you. I see another hand over to my left. All right, let's all lift our hands and we all pray this prayer out loud and particularly those of you that lifted your hands. Say this, Heavenly Father, Father, thank you you for being a God of love, a God who restores, a God who who forgives. forgives. And Lord, I thank you tonight that you are receiving me once again into the family and you are causing me to experience your love as never before. I apologize to you, Father, for allowing the things of this world to distract me. From this moment forward, I'll live for you. I'll focus on your word. I'll believe that you can do everything you said you could do. And I believe tonight is a turning point. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. And let's give the Lord another shout of praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Smile real big at somebody and tell them I'm going to the next level. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Did that help you tonight? It did, sir. All right. I'm so glad. I came for your benefit. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. Uh, You can be seated. Pastor, I'll, I'll turn the service back to you.